Welcome to Gardening Naturally with Jeff Ferris. Call or text Jeff now with your gardening and landscape questions. 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back or welcome to Gardening Naturally. It's going to be a hot day today. Been saying that now since sometime in June. Doesn't look to get a whole lot better. Yes, the weather report shows these chances for rain. Nope. When I can go outside and get wet because it's raining, that's rain. We're, we're a ways away, folks. We are so desperate for rain that we just don't know what we're going to do in between. Got to fix the weather. Uh, and there's not an easy way to do that. Let's go to the phone. This is Carol. Carol, what can I help you with? Yes. Um, so I have four uh, Texas redbud trees in my backyard. I planted them not this year, but last year, um, right around March or April timeframe. And four of them are doing really well. They're, they're fairly I mean, they're fairly large size. They're probably about 10 to 15 feet tall at this point, but they're young trees. Three of them are doing really well. One of them just looks kind of stressed out, has really uh, yellow leaves, um, where the other ones look much dark green, much more dark green. And it did have an insect infestation a little bit. Uh, yeah, like at the beginning of the summer. So I'm just wondering what kind of things I can do to kind of help it along to make sure that I don't lose it. Well, I'm not a huge fan of red buds. I have red buds. I have red buds on my property, and that spring bloom is always so impressive. But they don't like this weather. When we get towards the end of summer, redbuds can look pretty bad. Dried leaves, yellowing like you're describing, things like that. That doesn't mean there's anything wrong with the redbuds. They're just taking a lot of abuse from the heat. What you can do, and you do not want to do so until the weather breaks, till we start having 90 degrees for a high or less, you can put about an inch of compost around the root zone of the red bud. That will help improve the soil, give it some nutrients it needs, and give it an opportunity to catch back up from this terrible weather. But as of right now, um, there's not a lot that can be done for them. You can always consider, you know, a five-gallon bucket of water and seaweed solution in the bucket and drench around the roots maybe every two weeks, depending on how big the root zone is. But other than that, unless you can fix the temperatures, <laughs> there's not a lot you can do to these plants. They're, they're struggling, no doubt about it. But it's the heat. It's not a lack of nutrients. Um, how often are you watering? I'm trying to water them. So I think they're pretty well established. So I've been watering them 
um, supplementally like every couple weeks. That sounds pretty good. Uh, I don't put supplemental water on my red bud, um, which may account for why it looks so bad in the summer. But uh, that that doesn't sound too bad. You could just be looking at heat. Like I said, beautiful plants when they bloom in the spring, but hot weather can really knock them back. And you got to admit, when it comes to hot weather, this year's been a true record. Yeah, it really hasn't. I'm not sure I would have questioned it so much because I, I do understand that everything's struggling. Uh, but it's just that three of them look much better than this one. Um, and so I didn't know if there was something specific to this one tree because it just looks so bad. But, you know, kind of like people, right? Um, yep. Everybody's got different tolerances and, you know, that kind of thing. Exactly right. We We really need to understand that. And the other thing is, this sounds silly, but when you dig a hole in the ground, if you dig a hole five feet away, you can have a completely different environment. Yeah. So <clears throat> I think it'll be fine. I think it will recover. I really hope that September is the weather break and not October. But I think once we get into much more normal weather, um, unfortunately, this heat's probably the new normal. But once we get cooled off and get some rain, I think you'll see that it'll do fine. And next year, it should bloom out real nice for you. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate your time. Thanks for the call. Let's go to... Um, we had two carols there. Did we get the other Carol's questions answered? About the jasmine. Guess so. Um, that's weird to get two callers in a row with the same name. Oh, got it. Thank you. Um, listen, you've heard me talk about this, about the wildlife. They are suffering terribly. So they are just, uh, they, don't, they don't get a cool place to go. They can't uh, dive into the air conditioning. They can't just walk up to the tap and turn on the water. So uh, we put out bird baths. We freshen them. Right now it's twice a day. Sometimes that's because they Splash all the water out. They're taking a bath in it to cool off. But we put out bird baths, a lot of them. We have eight, eight, nine bird baths out right now. Some of those bird baths are on the ground, flush with the ground, so that we can get things like the rabbits, the squirrels, um, the, the, the smaller lizards and stuff can come and get a drink of water. Well, we got a, a watermelon the other day. Not my choice. 
Um, watermelon is not on my list of foods, but my wife loves it. Our granddaughter likes it. So we cut it up and she has the green rind pieces that we're not going to eat. And she takes them out and puts them in a spot in the front yard. And the birds and the rabbits just, they, they found heaven. They chew up these rinds. They get rid of them. It doesn't make a mess. It doesn't make an insect mess because they're full of water and they'll get eaten really fast. Um, peeling an apple, peeling a uh, pear. Uh, we take the peelings outside and set them down and the animals come running. They come and eat that up, clean up the mess. I know that there's moisture in the fruit that's out there in this rind, and that's one way we've been helping them out. And they sure seem to love it. Just a suggestion, if you've got a melon, consider putting the rinds out near a bird bath and letting the birds and uh, wildlife take care of it for you. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. I need to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Um, let's see if we got no callers at the moment. Uh, I get questions about, well, can I use seaweed on this or can I use seaweed on that? Uh, yeah, you can use seaweed on every plant, every plant. You won't harm a plant by using the seaweed solution. You will harm a plant if you drown it. So when you go to use seaweed, Check and see if the plant needs water. Put your finger in the dirt. If you can stick your finger down two knuckles worth and then some, and you feel moisture, maybe you don't need to water yet. You are not helping a plant by providing it constant water. I don't care how hot it is. That is not that is not gonna benefit. That is not a benefit for the plants. Even in this heat, even if you look at them and you go, oh, those poor things are suffering, I need to water them. Maybe not. Stick your fingers in the soil. It's best if you stick it in the fing your fingers in the soil where the root zone is. If the soil is damp, if you can feel dampness, it's not that bone dry, baked in an oven feeling, it probably doesn't need water and you could consider checking it the next day and seeing if it needs water. Do the same thing. 
your finger goes in the dirt. That's the only thing you need. Best water detection device ever built at the end of your hand. Does it need that kind of extra water? I don't know. Is the soil dry? If the soil is dry, the plant needs water. The plant can look droopy, wilted, can look absolutely horrid. That doesn't mean it needs water. It needs water when you put your finger in the ground and find out that the soil is dry. And if the soil is dry, you want to do the uh, slow soak. Soak it nice and deep. You don't want to just kind of spray some water. Let's go to the phone. This is Marie. Marie, what can I help you with? Thank you for taking my call. I have two pomegranate trees and two peach trees that I planted last year. And they are turning. Um, one of the peach trees, the leaves, it seems like it's, it's dead because the leaves turned yellow and they're falling off. And also, this seems like the pomegranate trees, that the same thing is happening to them. Okay. First off, the pomegranates. It is not unusual for their leaves in the fall to turn yellow. They can be quite pretty. With their yellow leaves, they'll look like, you know, any of our normal fall color. That doesn't mean something is wrong. Same with okay. your peach. Go out to the peach tree, go to the tip of a branch and bend it gently. Does it snap off or is it still kind of supple? Does it bend rather than break when you try to uh, twist it? In this heat, we're lucky plants are alive. This is one of the ways they survive. It doesn't make sense, but shedding leaves can be a way for it to handle the super hot weather. Shedding leaves doesn't mean it's dying. It is adapting to the environment. Palms are beautiful when they turn yellow. They are really bright colored yellow and look great. And they'll hold those leaves for a while. Your peaches, this weather is just unbearable. Um, sometimes they're going to react like this. And the deal will be go out there and check. Take a, Go to the end of a branch and scratch the bark a little bit. Is it still green underneath that bark? If so, the plant's still alive. This is just how it's trying to handle the heat. It makes you nervous, but it doesn't guarantee that they're dying. They're just suffering. And if we can get rain, if we can get cooler weather, you should see it recover. Okay. And uh, what from your program earlier, I shouldn't, what I'm doing is maybe I, I'm, 
uh, watering too much. Also, um, I shouldn't water them daily. I don't water them a lot, but if I see, if I touch the soil on the top and, and it's dry, I put a little bit of water. I'm, I'm no, you need, daily. you need, you shouldn't water daily and you should put your finger down in the soil. The surface of the soil is going to dry out almost instantly from the sunlight, from any breeze, from the temperatures. What we're looking for is we want moisture several inches deep. Three inches would be a good number. So if you stick your finger in the soil and three inches down, you go, wow, I can feel moisture. You probably do not need to water. Even though these are young trees, they're only in the ground a year, uh, you're still looking at watering, slow, deep soaking, about once a week. Okay. Okay. Well, thank you for your advice. Thanks for the call, Marie. Um, yeah, folks, there, there are, if you have plants that you have to water every day, you need to replace those plants because we just don't have that kind of water. Let's go to the phone. This is Bo. Bo, what can I help you with? Yeah, Jeff. Uh, my viburnum shrubs, the tips of the leaves turned to dark brown, kind of brittle. Uh, is that lack of water? It can. Are you watering them now? Uh, well, what the problem was, I, I had the drip system on them, and unknown to me, I had a leak. So uh, I got it hooked back up, uh, drip system working again. Um, so, yes, I am watering, watering again. How frequently? Uh, every three days. Viburnums are natives. You're possibly overdoing the water. Try to get to once a week and see if that, um, the the leaf part that has turned brown is never going to be green again. Okay. But it will get replaced by a new leaf as soon as the plant goes, ah, sorry, you with the brown tip, you're not doing what I need you to do. I'll see you later. And we'll cut it Uh off and cause it to fall. But you... You are possibly watering too much. Get your fingers in that dirt and see if you're feeling moisture. But once a week is probably enough for the viburnum. Okay. All right. So the brown tips, oh, what, what, what turned those brown tips brown? Too much water can do it. Too much fertilizer can do that. There's hmm. something from the conditions they're growing in and they're letting you know that by turning brown. Uh, Bo, I'm at the bottom of the hour. I got to take a break for the news. Uh, Thanks for the call, folks. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512-836-0590. Welcome back, everybody. Let's see here. Let's go to the phone. This is Forrest. Forrest, what can I help you with? Uh, hey, Jeff. I was just going to give a tip on uh, watering. Yes? 
And, um, you know, a lot of us, um, if we're in a new house or new yard, uh, can't stick our finger down two to three inches in the soil because <laughs> it dries up like a brick. So I have a suggestion that you take um, a garden tool and dig down, get, get, get good depth on it, and put a rock over the hole you made. This way, when you take the rock off and go to determine whether you need to water or not, you're able to stick your finger down in that hole and uh, find out if you've got water sitting in there or not. Hey, good point, Forrest. Yeah, I've got that you know, kind of soil. Uh, I'm never going to get my fingers down that deep. So that's a good idea to make a hole and just keep it covered. Yeah, and uh, that also helps uh, keep uh, mulch from falling into the hole where it would, you know, build up and you tour you couldn't put your foot, finger back in again. Right, right. Yeah, that's a good idea because that you're sticking your finger in the soil and figuring out its moisture by touching it is the most reliable way to determine do you need to water. So uh, that makes it lots easier. Sounds like a good idea to me. All right. Well, you are welcome, Jeff. Thanks for the call, Forrest. Yeah, he brings up a good point. I know that some of you, you want me to go out and stick my finger in, my, in the soil of my yard around my trees, and I, I need to stick it three to four inches down. I am not Superman. I am not going to be able to push my finger into that soil. It's way too stiff. So a good idea. Take your uh, take your garden trowel, push it into the soil to the depth you need, and wiggle it back and forth a little bit so you can get your fingers down in that hole. And then check and see what the soil moisture is. Now, Forrest has got a good point here. Find a rock. Put the rock over the hole so you don't have to do it every time you want to go out there and check. Because over time, that hole will fill back up between compost, dead leaves, et cetera, et cetera. No, you don't have to do that every time you go out there. But it's a good idea to make it easier for you. You know me. I'm real big on the do the easy part. And see how to get down there, really get in a feel, no pun intended, get a feel for your soil. I got folks talking about seaweed again, texting. And the idea that what about this heat and doing foliar feeding? Whether you're using a fertilizer, which in this heat probably isn't really necessary, but if you're using seaweed, which is something that strengthens the plant, doesn't just feed it, but strengthens the plant and makes it capable of withstanding the drought, what about hurting the leaves by spraying it on it? Well. The first clue is don't do it in the middle of the day. That's hard on you. That should tell you you shouldn't be out there. But first thing in the morning, spray them 
Late in the evening, spray them. The liquid on the leaf will uh, evaporate relatively quickly or be taken up by the leaf so that you're not leaving these little liquid bubbles on the leaf that act as a magnifying glass when the sun is there and burns them. That's really, that's not impossible. It's a little unusual. It's not impossible. But if you're doing foliar feeding, you should do it during the cooler part of the day. And if you can, do it when the sun is not shining on the plant. That way you don't have to worry about burning any leaves, keep the plant healthy, be able to provide it with nutrient or seaweed to help it grow. Remember, the way seaweed works it is effectively Gatorade. It's Gatorade for the plants in this heat. You know, if you're out working really hard, having some electrolytes, and yes, I know the movie reference, but having some electrolytes can keep you going, can keep you from having a crash from the heat. Same with the plants. Seaweed provides those nutrients that help the plant move water and food from the roots to the leaves and from the leaves to the roots. It keeps the plant going, even though the weather conditions may be this bad, and it is a way to save the plant. Now, the nice thing about seaweed is it's cumulative. If you were to use it every couple of weeks, and we finally get into decent weather and it's not so hot, you can start to back off and do it once a month, forever. That will keep the plant happy, healthy, able to handle the heat and drought. And the cool thing is, is that it increases the plant's tolerance for cold. So, a plant without it may frost at a certain temperature and the plant that's been treated, now nah, it's, uh, it's able to handle those couple of extra degrees. So it doesn't wind up suffering cold damage. It's really amazing stuff. It's inexpensive. Um, people will ask, well, which, where do I get it, et cetera. You can get it at your local independent nurseries. All of them carry seaweed. But, you know, there's two forms of it. One is a container full of uh, liquid. That's the concentrate. And you mix a given amount of the seaweed solution with water. Goes pretty far. But there's also a dry powder seaweed. Cost-wise, it's pretty much equivalent. Um, you put in a couple of teaspoons of this powder per gallon, stir it up really well, boom, you have seaweed solution. The advantage of the dry powder is it is less likely to go bad. If you have seaweed and it's out in your hot garage or maybe you've got a tool shed outside, 
and you've got the liquid seaweed out there and you forget about it. And it's out there in the heat and the cold and you go out there and go, oh, wow, I got that last year. You can go to open it and you will notice it smells really bad. It's gone bad. It's You could pour it on your compost pile, but I don't know if I'd use it on any food crops. But the powder is not affected by those conditions. It comes in a zip-type bag. And you, like I said, a couple of uh, teaspoons per gallon. Shake it up good to dissolve it, and you have seaweed. Zip the bag back up. Keep it somewhere. Keep it anywhere, I guess. And it's less likely to go bad on you. And like I said, cost-wise, per unit of application, it's pretty much even. The liquid versus the powder, it's pretty much the same cost per application. So, use it. It is very, very nice. If you're drenching the soil, you can do that pretty much any time of the day. If you're foliar feeding, whether it's seaweed, fertilizer, whatever, try to do it early in the day or late in the day. Don't do it in midday when the sun's beating down on the plant. That's hard on you and it's hard on the plant. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Um, Got to take a break. We'll be right back. This is Gardening Naturally on News Radio KLBJ with host Jeff Ferris. Jeff is ready for your calls or text messages at 512 836 0590. Welcome back, everybody. Listen, um, it's going to be a hot weekend. There is a possibility of rain. There's a possibility you could buy a lottery ticket and win the lottery tonight. I don't know which one has better odds. Now, uh, one of the weather stations is showing that Sunday is a 30% chance of rain. And I had to check this twice because earlier this today, it was not this number, but Monday is a 60% chance of rain. Now, they're not talking huge amounts of rain, and they're not talking any break in the heat. So we, uh, we have a ways to go. I got to oh, we got a caller. Jim, what can I help you with? Yeah, Jeff, uh, when you first turn on your water hose to do, you know, what are your plants, you know how it's always hot in the beginning? Yes. Is, yeah, is that bad for the plants? You know, Jim, when that water hits the ground, even though the ground's warm, it cools off very quickly in the soil. But if you were to blast that water directly on plants, it can be 140 degrees or hotter in that garden hose. So you're kind of roasting them. It can shock them. Um, it, it, it can be bad for them. So if you can turn the water on and water in such a way 
where you're only watering the soil, not the plant, until the water cools off, that would help them out. And besides, you know, it's, it's kind of dangerous. Um, we were outside the other day, turned the garden hose on to fill a, a bird bath, and my granddaughter was out there, and it's like, wow, this would burn her. This would really hurt her, scald her. So oh, yeah. if you can, yeah, if you can run some of that water out first without wasting it, it will uh, finally get cool. And like I said, the minute it hits the ground, it starts to give up that heat. And uh, okay. that will that will allow it to water the roots without toasting them. All right. Sounds good, Jeff. Thank you. Thanks for the call. Yeah, Jim's got a good reminder here. This is, you know, you got to be careful. If you leave your garden hose full of water, it's fully charged, and it gets this hot, you can burst the garden hose. It will get 140 or more degrees of temperature. I actually have a all-rubber black garden hose. It's really super strong and flexible, etc. but I can't use it at this time of the year. The water will get so hot. So he brings up a good point. If you can shed that water till you get cool water running out of the hose, your plants will be okay. And when you take that super hot water and you water a patch of soil, the ground will absorb most of that heat fairly quickly. Now, the ground temperatures right now aren't particularly great for plants as it is. But we don't want to waste that water. I can't think of a better way to... Uh, Dump all that water out till it cools off. That's that's just a waste, and not not going to do that. So if you've got if you're going out to use your hose to water plants, and you've got a patch of bare ground, a patch of heavily mulched soil, if you've got you know turf, let that water hit that ground first until the hose is cool again, then you will be safe using it on the rest of your plants. The other thing is, when you turn your, your garden hose off, of course, we're turning it off at the faucet, go back to the end of the hose and open the valve and relieve all the pressure out of the garden hose. You'll run out much of the water. That way there's less there to get hot. And when you turn your hose on, you're starting out with cooler water. But it's, it's something to keep track of. Uh, also be careful with your pets. You know, if you're going out, give the dog a bath, <laughs> cool that water off first. They're not gonna wanna be roasted from that super hot water. They may have something to say to you about it. So you have to be careful. Listen, we were talking about ways to save water and check for leaks and things like that. 
You know, one of the first places in the house that you will leak, that you will lose water, is the toilet tank. You know that flapper, you turn the knob, the flapper goes up, the water flushes out of the toilet. That flapper does wear out, and it won't make a good solid seal. And what happens is you're going to drip a little water. An easy way to check that is to lift the lid off of the tank so you can see all the water that's in there and put a drop or two of food coloring, your choice of color. Put the lid on the tank and come back in an hour. Check and see if the color of the water in the bowl is the color of the uh, food coloring that you used. That way you'll know if it's leaking. These flappers are definitely do-it-yourself replacements. They're only a couple of bucks, and your toilet water can leak a lot of water in no time before you ever notice it. If you hear your toilet going off in the middle of the night, guess what? You got a leak and it's at the tank. So I, I, uh, when I go and buy a new one to replace, I buy two. That way I can replace them really quickly when that happens and it saves me water. The cost of a new one is nothing compared to the water loss. Someone's got a good hint. They texted to me. They take their watering can out with them and they empty that first little bit of super hot water into their watering can. Then they use the cooler water to water with. The water in the watering can will cool off during the day and you can still use it and not waste it. That's what we're talking about, folks. We do not want to waste water. So you check every leak you can and get rid of it. And you look at the plants you have. Are they ones that need a lot of water? Maybe you should rethink what you're planting. And last but not least, you can preserve so much more water by having really good quality soil with a great tilth, lots of organic matter in it. Whether you put in organic matter or you plant cover crops, either way, either way, saving water is the key. Folks, this is Gardening Naturally. Uh, coming up to the top of the hour, I will talk to you all tomorrow at 8 a.m. Try to stay cool today.